1: With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson.
0: Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Katie Poyer of Phoenix Renews to talk about her experience with food growing on vacant lots. Katie is the project director of Phoenix Renews. Phoenix Renews finds temporary uses for vacant lots an initiative envisioned by Phoenix mayor Stanton in 2012 and managed by the nonprofit Keep Phoenix Beautiful Phoenix Renews currently operates on a 15-acre parcel located in downtown Phoenix with 16 other nonprofit partners and an emphasis on community agriculture Katie graduated with a BA from the School of Sustainability at Arizona State University Welcome to the show today Katie
2: Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Yay!
0: Thank you for being here. This is this is cool for me because first of all, you graduated from my my alma mater, which I just found out about today. That's that's absolutely cool. Plus, you're right in our backyard doing an awesome project, which we're going to find out about right now. So, I just shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I've been at Phoenix Renews for a little over two years. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, I was an intern with the city of Phoenix in the Office of Environmental Programs. Oh, really? Yep. And I uh, helped put together Food Day with Gail Mm -hmm. Latour. And kind of from there, um, perfect. Yeah, I brought to the table with me a hearty amount of experience selling at farmer's markets. So although I didn't sell produce, Uh I was within this environment while I was going to school and helped to sell holistic, herbal, kind of topical treatments. Oh, nice. um, For a long time. So it was always kind of fun on my weekends to spend time watching the farmers sell their produce, Mm -hmm. looking at what was in season. So I became very interested in this idea of agriculture, Uh and then it really just kind of transitioned very well into the work that I was doing with the city. In between then and there, I volunteered with Keep Phoenix Beautiful and also graduated. And shortly after I volunteered and graduated, I was hired at Keep Phoenix Beautiful Ah, to assist in the Phoenix Renews project. From there, I then got a promotion and uh-huh. became director of the initiative. Oh, very good.
0: Fantastic. So, why did you pick sustainability from Arizona State University?
2: I thought it had everything. It had this social piece to it, uh-huh. and it had this really kind of realistic aspect to it yeah. in terms of operations mm-hmm. and infrastructure and thinking about how that fits with the environment. Right. So, I got my concentration in urban dynamics, which is kind of, what does that mean? What is urban dynamics? I was going to say, what is that? Tell us. And I flipped back and forth when I was going to school from sustainability to chemistry because it was often hard for me to define sustainability and urban dynamics to other people. Oh, right. So I thought to myself, well, how am I going to get a job when nobody knows what I'm talking about? These three <laughs> terms don't make exactly. any sense. Um, lo and behold, it became a very hot trend after yeah. I graduated, and it was very helpful to know these things and to know how to negotiate, thinking about issues of drought flood, uh, heat islands, mm-hmm. wind tunnels, all of these kind of terminology that went around with my major. So urban dynamics is how people interact uh, with their environment right, and how the environment impacts how people deal with themselves, how they deal with others, mm-hmm. how then they interact with also their environment. So it's that symbiotic relationship and what are the issues, what are the outlying problems and what are some solutions that we're seeing in other places.
0: Wow. So that
2: was pretty interesting.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things, so I've done some teaching in the School of Sustainability, and my undergraduate degree from ASU, I graduated in 2004, was in interdisciplinary studies. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I really like about the notion of sustainability. It's very interdisciplinary. Do you have any thoughts on that?
2: Do I find... Interdisciplinary thinking important in sustainability. Yeah. Absolutely, I don't. Th- I think that each situation, no matter where you're looking within this intersection of sustainability mm-hmm. of economy, environment, and then this equity piece, right. right, which is often referred to as kind of this more social environment, they're yep. all dependent on one another. So yes, you can't yeah. when you pull on one string the whole piece moves, the
0: whole thing. yeah exactly
2: which is somewhat difficult to deal with you know it's can be overwhelming sometimes but there's also so much room for creativity and sustainability mm-hmm. and alternative thinking and i think that that's what makes it such a fun thing to get involved with you yeah. know it's those classes are entertaining those books are
1: oh are, are
0: so much so yeah, yeah.
2: So I I think that the School of Sustainability, particularly from ASU, is doing a really good job at making Uh this an interesting major. It's not all doom and gloom anymore.
0: Right. Which is really nice.
2: Which is really nice.
0: I got my degree before the School of Sustainability was there. uh, And so I graduated, like I said, in 2004. And it's a Bachelor's of Interdisciplinary Studies. So I studied plant biology, sociology, and urban planning.
2: Oh, those that's are, funny! I know,
0: aren't the, it's really? It's,
2: it's exactly what sustainability is. Exactly, yeah, that's
0: great. Exactly. And so, when I was there at ASU, I was taking classes that r- related to the you know environment in all three of those categories. I was having so much fun. So,
2: yeah, yay, yay! School. Interdisciplinary. Yeah. That, right.
0: there, there you go. There's a lesson for for you on what interdisciplinary means. <laughs> it's taking more than one discipline and kind of threading them together. Really, right. really important.
2: Right. Or picking them apart
0: and saying, what are the real issues here? Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. So let's talk about Phoenix Renews and this massive garden that you guys have installed at really on one of the most expensive corners in the state, land-wise. I mean, this is smack in the middle of Phoenix. It's a 15-acre parcel. And five years ago, it was dirt. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, what, what, tell us about that because it's a really cool project.
2: So, it sits on the northeast corner of Central and Indian School, mm-hmm. which is off of several bus lines as well as light rail. The so light there's rail, yes. Multimodal transportation pretty much surrounding the site. And then it's also located and trafficked on one of the busiest street corners in the state. Uh-huh. So we have a lot of visibility, which is really great because oh, yeah. we're doing something unlike anything in the valley or even the country. Mm-hmm. This is a very large, what we call vacant lot transformation project. Yeah. And although that's a mouthful, um, it's, ve- it's a very inspiring place to be uh-huh. once you're there. It kind of clicks. So along the fence line, we have some art murals which define the space. And then there's a pedestrian entrance right off of the light rail. Platform and then there's also a oh, nice. vehicle entrance, uh-huh. right? So this space is comprised of about 16 nonprofit partners. How many? 16.
0: Oh, one six. I, one I thought you six. said 60, and it's like no, wow. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> we probably are associated with about 60 organizations throughout the year, if yeah. not more, because we have that heavy volunteer component involved oh, in the site. Nice. So yes, we have of a lot course. of corporate groups, mm-hmm. and then we also have a lot of individuals, and sometimes those individuals represent different groups. So, but we have, I would say, out of the 15 acres, there's about eight or nine in production all year round, Uh and each of these larger parcels that we have is cared for by a partnering nonprofit.
0: Oh, nice. Some of the
2: partners that we have, the founding partners that we started doing this
0: initiative with, with, project
2: with, yeah, are the International Rescue Committee. Oh, I love what they do. They run the New Roots program over there, and Uh so they recently acquired another acre, so they're growing on about three and a half acres there. Oh, very good. And then we also have the U of A Cooperative Extension, uh-huh. and they are running their PERF program, which is an acronym for Phoenix Urban Research Farm.
0: Oh, right, 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 right. right. So Fantastic. what they
2: do is they supplement the cost to farmers that are looking to get into the market and mm-hmm. figure out what they can grow and how they can make a living growing what. Are
0: they, so they growing go, food?
2: They mostly grow food. There's also good. a lot of flower production that happens oh, yeah, in that
0: parcel. Oh, yeah, Fantastic. These
2: flowers happen to be very great sellers at the market. Oh, they my bring gosh. in They bring in yes, a dime absolutely. or two. Yeah. yeah. So that's a really pretty farm right now. There's a lot of sunflowers, actually, in that field. Oh, nice. We also have a moringa plant growing there. So, there's some alternative stuff. Oh, good. Uh, Durham wheat as well.
0: Oh, yes, yes. So, it's
2: this kind of experimental area, which is really neat. And then, one of our other founding partners, and although this space has a focus on urban agriculture, we really try to make it a community space for mm-hmm. people to go and stay mm-hmm. rather than just to kind of take care of their garden space and then exit, right? Right. So, there's also a dog park there that was donated by PetSmart.
0: Oh. And this is. Oh, mm-hmm. so it's really that builds neat. the community really nicely. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. So we, all, we have, you know, it's really kind of a neat mix of people there. Uh-huh. You have community members that just walk the grounds every morning. Mm-hmm. You know, they take a walk and they live across the street or they live in a neighborhood over and they run a couple miles and run into phoenix renews or walk around or bike then we also have people who are from the community who are dog walkers and use our dog park and then we also have more of these farmers that are taking produce to market uh-huh. which are these larger kind of farms right. that we see yeah that our partners are managing and then we also have gardeners
0: right so i can get a like a 10 by 10 plot there
2: they're about 10 by 10 they're 8 by 8 that's the largest oh, right, plot cool. we have the uh-huh. then there's another size that's 4 by 8 oh all right cool yeah um, so. so it's
0: a com- it's a true community garden from that perspective.
2: There are all types of community members. We also have another organization with us that's called One in Ten, and they do programming for GLBTQ youth. And they have oh. like a little labyrinth in one area.
0: Oh um, no And way. they also
2: yeah they also painted a door with checkers. So you play yeah no chess chess chess. It's not checkers. It's chess. <laughs> you play. They painted an old door right uh-huh. with a chess set and they have little rocks set out so you can play chess there, right? And then they also have a tic-tac-toe board on Uh the other side of the door. So there's neat stuff like that that occurs on site. There's picnic benches, people come and have coffee, they come and actually have a picnic. Uh They bring their friends when they're in town, they come to volunteer. There's all kinds of opportunities for the community to really be there and make a difference or feel like they're a part of something bigger.
0: Wow, I have to tell you, I had no idea I had no idea that this was all that was going on down there. I just knew it was a cool project.
2: Yeah, it's there's a lot of working parts and I think that I see I hear a lot of feedback from uh-huh. people saying, "I kind of got it from the road, but now that I'm here, I can see that it's there's these different functions of the space."
0: Yeah. So, I'm going to ask you to imagine something for me. So that, all, so that our listeners can kind of get an idea of, of really what the space looks like. So walk into the front door of the space and just tell us what you see there.
2: Um, okay, I'll do the pedestrian entrance because Perfect. I think that that's a little yeah, yeah. nicer. So Excellent. Well, not nicer. It's just different and not yeah, yeah. a lot of people enter through the pedestrian entrance. Uh-huh. So say I just got off the light rail. And uh-huh. it does its little bing bing as it passes, right? Uh-huh, then I, like I walk that. across the street and enter this gate right in front of me is a map and also a reclaim oh. it within a reclaimed bus stop which is a pillar of keep phoenix beautiful as diversion so we oh, reclaimed nice. a bus stop okay good and then on either side of me are raised garden beds
0: huh. Oh, so then, the, those are those four by eight and eight by eight gardens that people rent
2: yeah that's correct and they're they're scattered the, the uh-huh. sizes are scattered it's uh-huh. not one section of all eight by eights and four by eights they're placed within each other.
0: Yeah. And um, how many How many people rent those? How many... Do you have 100 people that rent them? We have 150 beds that we care for. Oh, nice. And those are directly managed by Keep Phoenix Beautiful. Oh, good. Cool. All right. Okay.
2: Um, so then you keep going and then... So you... But then there's two planter boxes as uh-huh. well, which we have just redone and put in desert ves- vegetation. Oh, All right. Cool. Um, and those are cared for by a nice volunteer of ours. So that's kind of a fun project that he's doing. So... You'll see some desert vegetation there, and then as you walk, you kind of curve over to the right and you'll see a reclaimed flagpole. Oh. And then continuing on, as you're looking south, there's more garden beds. Uh huh. And then you kind of turn then to the left. Then you're so now we're facing east. East, right. And on the north side, I know this is taking you all in a circle, right? If only we had Google Maps. Um, So then we're facing east and we're looking north. Uh huh. And we see this, what's called a shade home. And this is a really neat thing that, again, isn't urban agriculture, but does speak to sustainability and community. And And so this is, it's a house that was built by students from ASU, as well as the University of New Mexico. And it was graduate students and undergraduate students. And they put together a team. Mm A lo- there was a lot of different schools from ASU that participated. It just wasn't through the School of Sustainability right. or the School of Architecture. It was a lot of participants. And they built this house together for the competition for the U.S. Solar Decathlon. And this is sponsored by the U.S. Department of Energy and happens wow. every two years. It's cool. been held in California the uh-huh. last year. Um, usually it's on the D.C. Mall. Right. So this is a house that's designed to be in a desert environment. Mm -hmm. So the placement of the windows, the accumulation of power, the selection of materials inside and out are all based around the specific environment of a Southwest desert. Oh, cool. So it's really neat. We see a lot of biomimicry in the design. Uh We see a lot of adaptive spaces and we see a lot of thought that went into it beforehand. What spaces do you not use? Well, if you have a second Uh bedroom, you're cooling a second bedroom that you don't necessarily need. Right. You also cool hallway spaces. Yes. And you don't Uh you don't spend a lot of time. I'm in the
0: hallway. hallway. Right.
2: (laughs) You know, unless you're maybe a student doing work before the class. Right. Oh yes. But. This is a home environment. This is a residential nice. space, not, not not a classroom nope. building. So not a lot of people are spending time in hallways. Right. And then they looked at offices and dens. So they eliminated all those spaces. So what we ended up with was well, what they ended up with. I was not part of the design team.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Was a very comprehensive space that contained all of those things, except for the hallways. Uh-huh. And it's about 800 square feet. It feels much larger than that. Oh, wow. There's, a, there's two Murphy beds. It's just a really neat space. Uh-huh. So... That's called SHADE, and what SHADE actually stands for is Solar Homes Adapting to Desert Equilibrium. And I might add that there's 36 panels that total 9 megawatts of solar. So that's really cool for us to see in Arizona. So that's there. Now that building is mostly used by Keep Phoenix Beautiful staff. Mm-hmm. We also use it as like a volunteer check-in space, all right. uh-huh. um, and then we also do tours of it. So we're really highlighting what ASU is thinking about in terms of sustainable design there on site. Uh-huh. Um, they're involved with the house still. So that's when we're facing east and we're looking north. Uh-huh. And then if we continue going east, right, um, we'll see an area that's been mulched over, and we call that our event field. Oh, all and that's right. about an acre and a half. Wood chips. With wood chips. Nice.
0: Yep. Yep. Love the wood chips.
2: Um, we've put down two layers now. Nice. So there's about cool. four inches of mulch there. Uh-huh. So it's nice and squishy. And then <laughs> so if we look beyond the event field, then we see two acres, two and a half acres, actually, mm-hmm. that the International Rescue Committee is growing, growing in, right. often referred to as mm-hmm. the IRC. So mm-hmm. they run a program called the New Roots Program, which offers refugees um, farming at a low cost. So that's the north two and a half acres, and right. that concludes the northern part of the site. And then the U of A farm that we briefly spoke about in the beginning right. is just south mm-hmm. of that farm and is about a quarter acre. And then we also have the dog park, which is just adjacent and south of okay. the Perf farm. Perfect. Then we have an area that's undeveloped that's about two acres mm-hmm. around that area along the eastern side of the fence we have a running path and a walking path
1: oh. and then
2: that carries over so now we're in the southeast parcel mm-hmm. to an, an acre that the irc is growing in an acre that we have partners for that have not began their operations yet, and then in the last parcel of that three acres, an acre is set aside for one of our new partners, which is the Mullen Foundation, and they're doing something really neat there,
0: oh.
2: and then All right, let's have, talk about that. Sure, 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 sure.
0: Let's talk about that, because that's pretty much the space now, right?
2: Um, there are several more things, actually, but we can move on because it's a it's a large space and i think it's a bit complicated to give people an aerial <laughs> view of You've yeah a it's a job, large space
0: thank, thank you. you very yeah, much yeah that's, that's that's what i was after that that gives them gives our listeners and the the possibility of just envisioning what the space looks like so thank you for that so the education garden let's talk about that because you, you shared a little bit about that with me and i just i want to know more
2: okay Um, So the Education Garden is an initiative or project that the Mullen Foundation put forward an approach to keep Phoenix beautiful and to partner with. Oh, nice. So they're working at Phoenix Renews, and they have a relationship with two different schools who work in this garden weekly, Mm -hmm. and they also have a lot of volunteers that are students that come in and help to to work. So it's mulched over right now, and then there's an area of a garden that's probably about a quarter acre. Mm -hmm. So we have these students who work in the garden, and the idea is that we are going to build a deck there, a small deck, And this is kind of phase one of phase two. So the deck is being built, and then we also have collapsible and temporary kitchen equipment that was stored in a shed. So when the students are there, Uh if there's harvest ready, then they will harvest the food, and then they'll turn around there and learn how to cook and prep the food. Then the idea is that after that, they take this food home, Uh and then they teach their families or siblings or maybe neighbors or best friends how how to cook this meal. Yeah. And then we're also looking at phase two, which is kind of a, a wild dream, right? But I think it could be really neat. And this That's is a, and essentially like a mobile, uh, a mobile food truck. But it, we won't be serving food. We'll be t- we're using it kind of like a mobile kitchen, uh-huh. in a way, is how we refer to it. This is a a vehicle that will be equipped with kitchen equipment that will go out to schools that have gardens uh-huh. and then uh-huh. um, we will you know teach them and kind of substitute the materials that they don't have for recipes like pico de gallo right. or salsa or if they wanted like a pizza garden we could show them what crops and produce and herbs that they need to plant if they uh-huh. wanted to make like a marinara sauce and so the idea is that this is a substitute and I'll t- teaching model a little bit of A teaching model of what's happening there at the site, so we can kind of bring this program to students. But it's really neat because this is a school garden functioning, like you said earlier,
0: in a true community garden.
2: So it's a really neat element for the students.
0: Interesting. you You should say that just then. I'm sitting over here thinking. So I have Katie in the studio today, so we're actually sitting face to face, and that doesn't happen very often. And as you're sharing about that, I'm sitting over here thinking how much community you have plugged into that space Mm -hmm. there and i'm getting chills all the way down to my toes because for me i think the biggest solution out there is to teach the communities how to grow
2: right that's what you guys are doing well and it's so complimentary too because if these students graduate Mm -hmm. and they maybe live nearby then they can register for a garden bed through keep phoenix beautiful and grow with their families or their friends so it's
0: tied oh in, yeah. It's you had me speeches speech, there when you yeah. said that. It was like, well, 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 well of course, right? Wow, right. how cool is that? So, in all of that, so you've been going on for about ten minutes now, and in all of all that description, you used a word that I want to revisit. Mm-hmm. You said biomimicry. Can you say a little bit more about what biomimicry is, sure. so that our listeners will know? Because it's a really cool concept.
2: So biomimicry is the concept of designing. Uh, a piece or structure, installation, using methods that are observed in nature. Mm -hmm. So, for example, on the shade home, there are these 2 by 4s that are installed horizontally Mm -hmm. on the outside wall. Oh. And those are on the eastern and western walls, which are the sunniest. Right. So, when the sun is high in the summertime on the eastern side in the morning, Uh what happens is the two-by-fours end up shading a small part of the house Oh, because of the angle right. that the sun is at. It, so there's a, there's a little bit of shade. There's a little bit of respite. Yeah. This design was taken from the saguaro cactus.
0: Of so course if you, it was. if you look
2: at it, yeah, right, yeah, or a barrel
0: cactus. It. Yep, exactly.
2: Yeah, so those are the kinds of things of which the biomimicry, bio, that's a good example
0: of biomimicry design. Yeah, perfect. Right. So Janine Benyus was the one that penned it. Have you heard her speak before? No, I haven't. She's amazing. Amazing. If you ever get an opportunity to either read the book Biomimicry or listen to Janine speak, she's pretty amazing. Um, so thanks for sharing that.
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's also prevalent in permaculture too.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and see, that's the thing about the biomimicry, um, permaculture, a lot of these concepts, they're looking to nature. right you know for the solutions well right. hello
2: i always like to say nature never clashes she always matches <laughs> right you know you so many different shades of green next to each other you say if i tried to wear that i don't think i'd look very good right and then here she is like oh, i'm pulling it off
0: right <laughs> welcome exactly. to the redwoods yeah. you know i want you like, to oh you look so good <laughs> yeah, exactly i want you to say that again so that people can really get it because that's brilliant
2: nature i always like to say nature never clashes she always matches, matches.
0: yeah beautiful beautiful so I want to know how people can get involved with this uh, project
2: ways to get involved there's lots of different ways to get involved in Uh Phoenix Renews you can volunteer right and we are, do volunteer days every second saturday and oh. it's a really good way to meet the community learn more about the site nice. uh-huh. and as well as you know be active so that's from eight to ten in the morning we do take a break though june july august <laughs> really and why we will be taking a break in september as well <laughs> oh really um that's just the heat yeah. because there's not it's really an outdoor space yeah but if you know your business wants to to get involved we're certainly more than happy to put on a volunteer day so there's Uh that opportunity right you can also become a gardener so you can go to Mm www.phxrenews.org good and sign up for a garden bed when you're in the process of Uh doing that uh, you need to make sure that you get a confirmation page
0: oh right right Um, okay good
2: there's a little bit of a glitch in our system right, so cool. just make Love sure technology. Yeah. there you go yeah exactly so just get a confirmation page so that's one way to remain involved um and then there's also lots of different opportunities to volunteer with our partner sites of which keep phoenix beautiful is more than happy to be the intermediate in that process okay.
0: Right. And so if somebody's not in Phoenix and they just want to find out about it, they go to phxrenews.org.
2: Yeah, when we also have some really live social media outlets. So our nice. Facebook, the Perfect. PHX Renews Facebook, the Keep Phoenix Beautiful Facebook, as uh-huh. well as Instagram on both of those accounts. And then we have one Twitter account through Keep Phoenix Beautiful. Perfect. So those are a really good way to kind of get a recap, look at pictures. One fun thing to do is uh-huh. actually go to the PHX Renews Facebook page and look back at what the site looked like four years ago. Oh, yes. Because it's totally different. Right. It's, it was a it's dirt back then right right yeah um for a very long time it yeah. was dirt and then
0: oh yeah i know um, i've driven by so. it for 47 49 years
2: yeah right yeah so yeah i was vacant for about 30
0: yeah perfect so, yeah. so i'm going to shift a little bit on you and i'd like you to talk about a time you failed how you overcame that failure and what you might have learned from it
2: well, okay, so this is going to be prevalent to gardening <laughs> because cool. that's what we've been focusing on, I think, a lot is plant life yeah. and responses to such. And um, a time that I failed was when I most recently planted my fall garden. Uh, uh-huh. got everything to sprout, and then I relied too much on the environment to take mm. care of it. Um, and so I learned in many different ways that you have to drive yourself to do something. Mm. You have to be that person. You have to be internally motivated to do that. You can't rely on another person to do your work. You have to do your work yourself. You can't rely on another person to think for you. And that's what I did with the environment. I said, oh, environment in Arizona, (laughs) central Arizona. You can take care of this garden for me. And that's really just not the case here. So I learned that I needed to weigh the elements that are present in my life. And in this case, this was the sun and the soil and the moisture content. Of, of the soil, right? right. And I needed to, to care for it more, and I needed to be more aware of the, um, you know, physical elements that I was dealing with, and yeah. call attention to those. And so my spring garden looks very good. Oh, good. Yes,
0: fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, um, it it gets to be really hot here in Phoenix. It'll be 120 degrees here in uh, June, July, August. So that'll toast some plants very fast. Right. Yeah. Right. So, what do you consider your biggest success?
2: It's that's a f- funny question for me because I have a tough time defining success. Mm-hmm. I'm a really big fan of teamwork, so it's All hard good. for me to like,
1: right.
2: you know, take credit. Um, but mm-hmm. I think my biggest success is realizing in- intentionality to be intentional about what you're doing in your life Uh and to be present and not to get too out there, but, you know, just to, to continue to what I like to say is take my temperature internally, you know, where am I at? How am I feeling? And if I need to do that every minute, or if Mm -hmm. I need to do that once an hour, or if I need to do it every 24 hours, I make sure that I allow myself to do that. So I think in a very personal light, that's my biggest success is to, to be able to be aware of how I'm feeling.
0: Nice. And
2: also thinking, because this isn't just...
0: Right, We can't separate them. Right. Really. So it sounds to me, what I just heard you say, was that it's about living in the moment. It's not about being present right now, and right now, and right now.
2: Yeah, I I also think it's about appreciating that, and not just trying to do it, but Uh saying this is what I'm doing like I'm actively living my life to have a good time and I think if you can live in the present but you ha- you are that that doesn't ensure that you're going to be happy about living in the present mm-hmm. so this is more about appreciating being there and being able to say I'm here
0: mm-hmm.
2: the yes. appreciation of realizing that you're present
0: yeah yeah wow okay cool cool what drives you
2: My father always said, he said two things to me. He said, do what you're good at,
0: Uh
2: which I'm still struggling to do. (laughs) And then he also said, do something with your life that benefits others. So what drives me is my father's words to do something that benefits others. Do good for society Uh is another way that he would say that. So that's what drives me is doing
0: good for others. Got it. How do you do that? How do you do that?
2: I do that through a series of things. I do that through being strategic in the way that I work. I deal, mm-hmm. I, I do that through, how do I do? That's a good question. You stumped me on that one. Building, how do I do building that? Building
0: community. Building
2: relationships. Yeah, yeah Having big time. You know, being trustworthy, mm-hmm. you know, being not afraid to share. Uh-huh. I'm not afraid to share, you know.
0: I get that. That's cool.
2: Yeah. I think there's a lot of things. I think that it's it's on a scale. There's big stuff that I, how I do it. And then there's this little micro everyday actions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that the guidelines or the, the ways that I live my life is what difference is what I'm doing right now going to make in a hundred years?
2: Oh, I can't, I don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I, I asked a friend of mine, we were out to lunch and I said, what keeps you going every day? Uh Because. Sometimes I just sit down at my computer and I say, well, the work that I do today could be undone tomorrow. Oh, yeah. And how do you get over that feeling? Oh, yeah. You know, especially maybe if you're working in government, right? These Mm -hmm. things that can turn over very quickly. You Mm -hmm. know, planting a peach tree and catering to it is, is, I think, different than... Maybe not, though, in terms of permanency. So he said, what I do is I I tell this to myself. I remain optimistic. Uh And I also think globally and I act locally. And I don't want to sound so cliche, but it was a really good way to think about it. Yeah. You know, you you think of others and then you draw that back to yourself and say, yeah. what can I do?
1: Yeah.
0: Fantastic. So I'm all about education and I have to know what book has been your favorite book or has been most influential for you?
2: The my favorite book for many years has been 100 Years of Solitude. Uh huh. And this was written by an author, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, Mm -hmm. and it was translated into English from Spanish. And the book is like eating chocolate. It is very vivid, and by no means is it a commercial vision. It's very Uh imaginative. It's exploratory. And it also has like these very vivid themes of family Mm -hmm. and also self and the development of self and folding that also into community and then the village that they're in. And it's just a remarkable book. So that really hit home for me and has for many years. I still kind of think about the images that were created from the Mm -hmm. book. And I also think about what other people Felt when they read that book, because it's been translated into so many different mm. languages. Mm-hmm. So, what are the emotions like of somebody reading this in Spanish or German or Mandarin? You know, because right. I'm reading it in English and yeah, I'm feeling exactly. these
0: things. So, what are other people yeah. feeling when it's in a different wow. language? So, and and I have to tell you, it's not surprising the way you describe that book. Um, if I would overlay your description on what you've shared with us over the past thirty minutes or so, they match.
2: Oh, good. <laughs> That's good. I
0: like consistency. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners?
2: This is a little off topic from what we've been concentrating Please. on. Please. This is a piece of advice that I learned from myself over through my experiences uh-huh. in my early 20s. And, and that is you cannot make somebody do something that they don't want to do. Uh. So you, you you can you can have power only to an extent of which I believe is only influence. Mm-hmm. You have power over yourself, you know. You have power of what you physically do and what you eat and how you think, and that's about it. So be the best, <laughs>
0: be the best you, you can be and...
2: And just don't, you know, be persuasive of yourself, mm-hmm. you know. And if, if you want to be persuasive over others, just realize that they won't need to want to be persuaded.
0: Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today and sharing your experience with us, Katie. It's been a treat chatting with you.
2: It's been really fun to chat with yeah, you too, Craig. Thank you.
0: It's actually really nice getting to know you because we've, you know, we've related on several projects, but we've just never...
2: I've also heard your name since I was about 15. Oh. So <laughs> it's kind of
0: neat to be doing this for me. Well, that just comes from me screaming about this for a very long time. <laughs> well, I hear you. <laughs> so thank you. So how can our listeners get a hold of you?
2: My email is katie mm-hmm. at keep phx mm-hmm. you can also go to phxrenews.org. KeepPhoenixBeautiful.org. keep phoenix we'll keep phx uh-huh. Um, and you can find us on any social media outlet that's Perfect. pretty
0: popular these days fantastic well that's it for today thanks for joining us on the urban farm podcast
1: we hope you enjoyed today's episode of the urban farm podcast remember to listen three days a week for tips advice and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming